dropping things over here. What a way to start. We always have best <laughs> intros. <laughs> dropping my phone on the floor, yeah. over there, losing things. You drop it right as soon as we start that. So, this is an eventful day. Hey, Don. I see Don's in the chat. He's like the only one who, who sticks with us through thick and thin. Um, yeah, it started off as a boring day today. And um, my obsession with Matt Frad finally uh, caught up to me. <laughs> I thought I could just keep poking the bear and get no response. Well, the, today changes all that. The funny thing is, somebody said, somebody said, well, Matt Frad finally figured out how to take out his rivals. Because <laughs> I'm constantly saying, we're coming, we're going to come and take his throne, going to come and take his throne, which is clearly never going to happen. But <laughs> he, uh, so, for anybody that doesn't know, Matt Frad this morning tweeted out, um, Elliot Page is not a man. So I have to find the tweet I actually wrote. Um, I could, well, I got it. I can't put it up on screen. I got it it in the picture you sent me. So uh, I wrote, I wrote, all right, the king, if the king is going down, I'm going with him. And I wrote, Elliot Page is a man. Within five minutes, my account blasted. Like, not not a 12 hour suspension. Nuked my account. Totally done. Matt Frad's still out there tweeting. How's that work? Well, it happens when you. It, I mean, it helps when you have a hundred thousand. You think that's what it is? I. I mean, yes and no. I mean, it didn't stop them from removing like Dave Rubin, right? Well, well, but, they, they they didn't remove Dave Rubin's account. They didn't remove Jordan Peterson's account. They suspended them and told them to delete the tweet oh, and true. they could have access to their account again. You, they just me. They didn't give that option to. Uh, Don, yeah, Don's the one that made that comment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, you were talking this week, and I'm like, oh, let's go, let's just do a show, the two of us. We never do that anymore, you know. Yeah. And um, I wanted to talk about the stupid Fourth of July thing that happened, and, oh, and uh, Chicago. Yeah, the 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 you know the mass shooter. So I did a I did a video uh, after the Christmas parade. Yep. This is back when I was by myself. It was like one of the maybe the third video I did, and I actually wound up going through like Cornelius Alapiday and his, um, uh, how he was showing through the apocalypse, like um, typology in the apocalypse. Yeah. But the whole point was that with <laughs> he basically said when the high priest turns on. Because uh, he was basically the the thing preventing um, demons from escaping hell, and when he betrays Christ, the demons are let loose. And typologically, if the high priest prefigures the Pope, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to say anything about the Pope or anything. It's just that was it was basically a fall of the wolf homily. Okay, that I went through, and I just I wound up looking up the original sources he got it from, and it went going like that. Now, I said in that video that the time for going to these public events is insane. Like I I, w- I wouldn't do things. like like this guy. They, these people think they're going to a Christmas parade and they get plowed into by cars. These people thought they were going to a 4th of July celebration. And now the, I'm, I'm surprised people ran not think like, wouldn't they have thought it was fireworks going off? You'd think so. I mean, it, the banging, I would have, it would make people sense. would have been like, oh, yeah, it's just fireworks well, going on. At the same time, so you see people dropping. You know it, when it's a gun. Yeah. I mean, it, it's different. It's it's different. Yeah, but, it's definitely a, 
definitely got a different sound, but yeah. So, I mean, it it just seems insane to me for anybody to be going to these public events at this point. Like, I just feel like the demons are let loose. There's going to be one thing after another. <clears throat> well, I mean, we're at a point where we have an archbishop tells Pelosi that she can't receive communion in his diocese. And now she goes to Rome and she gets to receive like it's nothing like you're seeing the whole idea of bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal yeah. at this point where they're constantly talking about collegiality and collegiality and they just throw that out the window. I mean, it's yeah, they only mean it when it's people on their side and it's going in a certain direction, right? right. It's like, that's really the only time they mean it. They don't want, they don't want communion with people that think like us no i mean you know they'll listen to you in a, in a synod if you're uh if you're a, a pagan you know neo-pagan environmentalist who worships pachamama but uh you know if you talk about the tlm in a synod then all of a sudden your local novus ordo priest threatens to withhold communion from you if you receive on the tongue while kneeling so yeah you can't even take the whole um human fraternity thing seriously when when francis says that he doesn't mean fraternity amongst us he means no no we have to be fraternal with with muslims we have to be fraternal with pagans we have to but that doesn't but in in our own house that doesn't that doesn't fly like that's not how it's uh it's like there's no dialogue with anybody who i mean uh, dude the state of our church is so crazy at this point like i i feel like it, it's like, I know everybody says it's like a different religion since the council, but I feel like it's a different religion since Benedict, right? I mean, it still had the semblance, uh, other than the liturgy being changed, you still had some kind of a, a moral voice there speaking out against some of these crazy things. Like, it's at the point where we've just totally packed up and just said, no, not only, not only are we not going to speak out against these things, we're going to encourage the people that are doing these things like it's 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 not even like okay let's chill out with the culture wars let's not put a target on our back no they're actually advancing people who are enemies of the church at this point it's it's actually kind of crazy yeah i mean but they've been doing that for a hundred years it's just they're far more open about it now you know what yeah I mean? they used to pretend right like they they did they used to pretend like a, they you would have the cdf come down on a priest who went and said something like oh we want uh, women priests or you know celebrating a pride mass or things like that and that's totally out the window now. women priests oh. or i hate my own <laughs> voice um you know a hundred years ago they had you know you had to have people like ella dodd and the you know the, the russian communists infiltrate priest into the church nowadays they just do it openly but the the effect really is still the same i guess i'd yeah. rather they do it openly than them than try to do it secretly at least we can see yeah, I guess, I mean, sunlight is the best disinfectant, I guess. But, I mean, I don't think any of us had any idea the facade that was in place. Like, it was just all an illusion. Like, it really was just an illusion. We all knew, like, bad times were going to come. But I think, like, for the, for most of us, we always thought the church would be persecuted from the outside. And we would always have the rock to stand on and be like, okay, I like... You can almost handle that, right? Like, it's like, okay, persecution's coming from the outside, but when you're getting it from 
your own hierarchy. It's just, it's like insane. Like it's baffling. You don't even know where to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know who to trust. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, who do you, who do you go to for the sacraments for confession? You know, even just to, just to ch chat about these things. Yeah. I hope, I mean, if you, I have one priest that I could speak openly with and there's no issue whatsoever, but every, I, I'd say most of the priests I go to mass with, even the traditional ones, I'm always a little iffy about what I could say and what they, you know, like, cause especially since traditionists came down, they're all on eggshells yeah. trying not to do anything that could even imply they're unhappy with anything. So you really do have to tread lightly and you have to, uh, uh, <laughs> <Don>. <laughs> um, now the, the, the whole, I named the episode gaming at the apocalypse because I finally talked you into watching alone. Yep. And we haven't <laughs> spoken about it yet. So you started on season six. As I told you to start on season six. You told I, me to start season six. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to ruin this on people. Why you did that. But. Okay. Here's why season one and two stink. Okay. Season one and two, they're in rainy Canada in British Columbia. It's like pouring out. They can't even get fires started. There's not really shelter building yet. Like by season three, the whole game changes. So for anybody that doesn't know, Alone is the only reality show that's a genuine reality show. Like most of them are, you know, they're putting people in a situation. They want it to be somewhat scripted. Alone is they, they pick 10 people. They stick them out in the middle of nowhere. They're their own cameraman. There's no camera crew that follows them. They get six or seven cameras. They have motion cameras, and they set them up around their campsite, and they have a GoPro stays on their head, and they just have to rough it and last as long as they can. You have no idea if other people are out. So you're in there for 30, 40 days. You don't know if all 10 people are still in. You don't know if one person's still in. You don't know if you're the last one standing. So they do medical visits about every two to three days. So you're constantly getting these medical checks because they want to check your vitals, make sure you're okay. At any one of those, your loved one could pop in and say you won. Yeah. Or they now, could tell you, you've lost too much weight. You're starving yeah. to death. We're making you leave. That's happened every season. Every season they have pulled somebody because of, um, yes, hope you started on season six, but there's a reason why. So um, I found this show because somebody posted a clip of the winner of season six went on Rogan. And when I watched the clip, he actually discusses how he went to Russia to like Siberia and his, he, his wife is from there. Correct. I, I believe I so. I'm not a hundred percent, but he went there originally to help build an orphanage. And he spoke openly on Rogan about his Christian faith and stuff. And I was like, I was like, I'd love to like interview the guy or at least send a request, but I didn't want to do it until you had actually seen the show and had a little bit of background. But now after watching the show, first off, the women on this show, man, how great are the women on that show? Like they're, they're tough as nails. The girls that go on there. They're yeah, they're, they don't fool around. No. And they do better alone. All right. So I'll tell you what most men fall on is, not having their family with them. Yep. The loneliness of knowing your wife and children are home and you don't know if something's going on. You don't know if they're okay. And then your your head just starts. I mean, you're in solitary I, confinement. I think the whole responsibility starts to weigh on them, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. You see guys break. I mean, some guys break it a week. Some guys break it three weeks. Some guys, you know, you hit 50, 60 days and you're just like, I can't, I can't handle it anymore. I got to go home. I got to go home. And the women handle being alone infinitely better than the men. They're so comfortable being alone out in a tent by themselves. They almost never complain about the loneliness. To, to be fair, though, and I've only really seen season six and part of season seven, but all the women that have made it that made it significantly single. far, they were all single. Single. I mean, now, but even single team. men still break. It's yeah. a, it's something internal with men where they have to be a caretaker and a provider whether that's a girlfriend, whether it's a mother at home. Like I've seen single guys bail because their mom is home and they're like having a, an emotional break. It's like, dude, you, your mom's going to be fine. Like stick it out, stay out there. I would be the first to break though. I'm not going to lie. It's the half million dollars. Just stay there. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm telling you, man, it's really, uh, wait, I'm not out of Twitter jail, Joe. I started a new account. You're following my new account. I had, uh, what Let's you see. repurposed an alternate. <laughs> yes, I had an alt account that I made to make fun of Bob. It was Modernist Bob instead of Trad Bob. You had just happened to be following it already, so you didn't have to. Uh, so I'm not out of Twitter. Jo- oh, he knows. I don't know why he's asking. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Haley, I'm going to give a little statement about Matt Frab. We're going to cut it up into a two-minute clip, and we're going to pray that he sees it. And, I mean, listen. I guess I'll just go into it now. I told Don I was going to make a prepared statement, but as Don's always correct, nothing's ever prepared on this show. So I'm going to wing it and hope that it's... Yeah, you, you gave you gave it about 10, th- 10 seconds thought, I bet. Yeah, I'm not, I, <laughs> I wish I did have something written down that I could read, but I'm going <laughs> to say this about Matt Frad. I've been watching Matt Frad since I first converted, since back in the Lighthouse Catholic Media days. If you go on, on the form app, Matt Frad is all over all the series they did. Um, the older ones. The older ones. I mean, he was a young guy. He was in his 20s, and he was into evangelism. He had such a powerful conversion experience that he has been doing this for a long time. I mean, since my conversion, I've, I've, I've been watching him. Now, when you and I started this show, we both kind of talked, and we both kind of said, like, all right, look, we don't want to – I mean, it's kind of weird that we started off this show – talking about the hierarchy but we don't want to criticize the hierarchy we don't want to call anybody a heretic that really just isn't what this channel is we wanted to have a fun channel to create an atmosphere of camaraderie and just um fellowship catholics think of fellowship yeah fraternity and fellowship like actual fraternity with god as the father not human fraternity you know so we wanted to have a community where like we don't. We almost don't want it to get too big because we like being able to have conversations with people that we know and stuff. But we also like uh, my thing is that I also know the guys that helped me convert those Protestant converts of the '90s and the early 2000s. Those guys are getting older, and there's supposed to be a new crop of guys coming in. And Matt Frad's around my age; he's a little older than you. But I want us to be a part of bringing that faith on to the younger generation. The older guys are starting to phase out. You're seeing less and less of them. Oh, are you saying they're needs- not the younger generation anymore? You're the younger generation. You're Gen Z. I no, mean, I'm not. Stop yeah, saying I that. No. I know. You're Gen Z. You ju- you, you- <laughs> 20 years old. Relax. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no. So, But the other thing is everybody and their mother has a podcast, right? Yeah. Everybody and their mother has a podcast. So, And Twitter... I mean, uh, YouTube hates us. The algorithm just 
They just hate us. So <laughs> it's very hard to get ahead. So I, uh, I've been obsessing with Matt Fratt, hoping to get his attention for quite some time now, but basically from day one. So today I wanted to take the hit and uh, try to go down with Matt and his ship. And Matt stayed, and I went down you without him. Know, you, you took the hit for him. <laughs> so, wait, what did Matt tweet out, though? He tweeted out um, something about buying me a beer, right? Like, what did well, he say? He, Was he that... asked you to DM him. Are you saying you haven't yes. DM'd him yet? So, Matt, Matt says, um, now, I don't know if it's actually Matt or if it's his social media guy. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know he does tweet sometimes. Like, I don't think his social media guy would be saying some of the stuff he said. I think Matt would have to make that call. Yeah. Now, Matt offered to buy me a beer for taking that hit. Now, I don't want you to buy me a beer. I will bring something to you. I just want to have the beer on pints with Aquinas, Matt. That's all I'm asking. I mean, it's just a small ask. Either that or Rob and I would love it if you took one of our silly trivia shows and put it on your channel. Uh-huh. Just something to help us get a leg up and get a foot in the door. Just a single tweet uh, about our show. Yeah, even a retweet of our show or give it a minute. I mean, Rob and I will probably be able to cough like a hundred bucks up if we can. <laughs> no, Matt, we love you, brother. We do consider you the king of Catholic media. Uh, if I'm going to go down for anybody, I'm glad it was you, brother. <laughs> uh, Anthony Dope in front of Matt like the Secret Service. <laughs> I certainly did. <laughs> now, the thing is, so I think if they suspend Matt, um, we'll cut that up and everything from here. You know, we'll cut that little clip up. And we'll pray that Matt sees it somehow and yep. maybe helps us out. But now, the uh, the thing with a, an account like Matt's is he does have a couple hundred thousand uh, followers on Twitter, right? So. Somebody like him or Jordan Peterson or Dave Rubin, they will get a quick suspension for something like that because if they get a permanent ban, it causes too much of a fuss. Yeah. And especially now with Elon coming, like it'll be all over every news outlet. It'll be the media cycle that this one got suspended. Can you believe this one got suspended? Where a guy like me with 2,000 followers, you could banish me and it doesn't, nobody bats an eye. I mean, let's be honest here. It probably didn't help that your, uh, your Twitter handle was one character away from the previous my, Twitter handle. My previous one, and the one is one character away from that one. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, did, I I don't know if somebody reported me or if they have the algorithm set where if you say her name with something, you know, I'm like sure you there say, were there were probably people people doing searches specifically to report yeah. them like that. Yeah. But no one um, wants to report the Aussie. No, but even if he was reported, I don't think that would, I don't yeah, think they'd take him down. Anything. So, but yeah, so here we are. So, gaming out the apocalypse. So now we were talking about the the show. <laughs> we got off on a tangent again. <laughs> so yeah, so we were talking about alone. I wanted to have the winner come on our show, but I want to rob the But anyway, you did wind up watching the full season. Yep. Now, what what did you think of the show? First off, uh, I think it's a cool idea. I mean, it's um, you, you definitely get the sense that it's real. I mean, some guy broke his leg like three days in on you know on the first episode, and there was no. Do way you that think was... he really did, or do you think he was crapping his pants because he was scared to be out there and just fake the broken leg to go home? I think he faked it. I don't know. They gave him a, they gave him a shot of painkillers after examining him. So. I think that guy was three days in, wasn't eating, and he was like, 
I gotta, I gotta save face. So I'm gonna <laughs> fake a fall because otherwise you gotta go home with your tail between your legs saying, I made it three days out there, bro. So the guy didn't eat a thing, not a stitch of food. That guy didn't. I mean, most of most of them don't for the first three or four days. They yeah, but they well, a lot of shelter, are, they, a lot of people aren't built for that, man. You're like you, yeah, you, you go three days of food and you're like, oh my god, a cheeseburger right now. I do anything for. <laughs> I'll fake a broken leg. So, uh, you know, overall, the the the, ep- the season you had me watch was the Arctic. So it was, um, but I like the Arctic. So the Arctic seasons are great because first off, there's animals to hunt in the Arctic. So the first two seasons, there there were no animals to hunt. They were really? basically foraging, trying to fish, but there weren't many fish around. Like it was, it was rough. Those first two seasons, they were just unwatchable. But then by season three, like there was one season in Patagonia. Now the the season, uh, not the season that's currently on, the season before, the challenge was, so these these guys all um, breaking bread. (laughs) So the the challenge last season was whoever can make 100 days in the Arctic. And now if anybody makes 100 days, they get a million. Now the current prize is only like a half a million, but they wanted to see if because nobody ever made 100 days. Everybody else, like I think the I longest think the season went like 72 in season six. In season six. But there was a season with 80 days, I think. So nobody had ever gotten to the 100-day mark. And the, the somebody did hit 100 days in the Arctic. Now if you're on day 100 in the Arctic, you're getting four hours of sunlight, maybe three. Yeah. yeah. Dead middle of winter. So you have to have food stored. You have to have – you get three hours a day to go out and collect firewood. That's it. And you have to have your food stored. You're not going and hunting in the pitch black negative 20-degree weather in the Arctic. So you really do have to uh, – uh, <laughs> uh, I will, Haley. Thank you very much. Uh, what is this now? <laughs> a story of how Anthony wears Matt Fred now. Oh. How's your brother feel? <laughs> okay. So that's the other thing. My brother Dominic tonight – his, he's on an actual reality show. Uh, it's called The Challenge. I thought it was on at 9. It's on at 9.30 tonight. Um, he was already on Survivor. He was the runner-up in season 38. My brother got to the final of season 38. He's there with two other people. So there's three people in the final. My brother and a guy, Wendell, tie for first place. The third person in that trio at the end had to break the tie, and they picked Wendell. So my brother, instead of getting a million, got a hundred grand, which he was devastated. I mean, he, he came on and he couldn't tell any of us about it. So he that, that happened. Show didn't air for seven months after that. So he came home and he had to come back to work and he couldn't talk to anyone about what happened to him there. That's so I really crazy. did feel bad for him. So they asked him to go back on another reality show uh, called The Challenge. And it has people from Big Brother, people from Love Island, people from Survivor, and one other show. I don't know. So it's basically all you know previous reality show contestants are coming on his show now. And I don't know if he won. I just know he did good. That's all I can tell you. And that starts. That'll be interesting. Uh, what is that air? Uh, 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 so that starts tonight at nine thirty. Oh, okay. So tonight at 9.30 on CBS, my brother Dominic will be on TV. So um, He was going to um, try to do a outdoor cooking show too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was that putting – so the guy that he, that he was runner-up with, he, he was trying to get 
because my brother loves cooking and like yep. he's got like twenty thousand Instagram followers and all he does is cook on it. So he actually applied to that. Um, there was a Netflix show where they do like real fire cooking. Uh-huh. So it's like a barbecue show, but they use real fire. It's not like on a grill. And he was this close to getting on that. And they were like, listen, you you need a little more experience cooking. Like the guy, the other guys on the show are just going to be waiting. They're like, you're great for TV, but you just, you got to get your, your cooking game on a little bit more. So. Cool. And then this show called, and now he's doing that. Now, um, the reason I was saying gaming at the apocalypse now is after watching that show, what is your game plan for different scenarios that happen. So now you got, let's say an EMP hits and we have no power. So we're doing hypotheticals. This should be fun. You surviving the apocalypse. That's what I want to know. (laughs) Um, Well, I think so the show, you know, alone, I don't, I think it shows how hard it would be to do alone or even just a family. Right. Yeah. So I think the, the biggest part of your plan has to be, getting to know the people around you or getting to know the people you you plan on being in that situation with so that you can work as a community. I mean, humans don't do well alone or even as families. You know, we do well as tribes or villages, yeah. towns, things like that. So I think the biggest part of your plan has to be community because no one person is going to have all the skills or knowledge necessary to do it. I mean, you know, you see that in, in the show, uh, in that show alone or in any survival show, everyone has different strengths, different things. And eventually everyone except one person fails because of something they weren't great at. So what shocks me about that show is how few animals are really around. Like we don't live in the Serengeti. <laughs> like we don't live in uh 1700s america even where there's buffalo roaming around like you're not you may catch a deer here and there but now if everybody if there's really a food shortage and there's no food like you're really gonna have a hard time getting food so right uh, you you can't there's too many especially initially there's gonna be too many people to to hunt and forge effectively right i mean steven Steven lives in jersey steven whatever hits me is hitting you I'm sorry to tell you that, but we're on the East Coast. So let's say there is some kind of attack on the East Coast. You and I are both going to Minnesota. So I don't know why you're, <laughs> you're inviting me to Jersey. That doesn't help. We got to get to the Midwest, or you got to get to even, you know, really the most dangerous place to be at a time like we're in is uh, the that's uh, the coast of the scariest places. Because if it's coming from China, California is going to get it. If it's coming from Russia, they got, I mean, they both have stuff that could hit the East Coast now at this point. In, in seconds, like their hypersonic missiles could, I mean, devastate the East Coast before we even knew they got off the ground. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think Joe's got a good point with uh, having cash is stored. Yeah, I think you need to try to be prepared to at least last initially long enough um, to where you know, I, and I hate to say it, but to where most of the population is gone. <laughs> yeah. You need to get through that point to where I have can... about I have about a three month food supply. <clears throat> right. Okay. So I have about a three month food supply. Now like that's not even crazy prepper stuff. That's like, okay, God forbid the power goes out and you, you know, I have food that doesn't go bad that'll last three months, which is stupid for me to uh 
Enoch's invited us to Kentucky. Bro, you think you're joking, but I'm coming to Kentucky if it's the East Coast. If I survive that, I'll tell you, man, it's like if you ever had something like that happen, though, I don't. you might be better off just getting taken out in the blast because I don't think people realize what – like we all have that dream, right, where we're like – yeah, man, I'm gonna be the. I'm gonna. I'm gonna survive in the apocalypse. I'm gonna make it. Like you have no idea how many people die in those situations. I mean, well, it, it depends on the situation too. I mean, honestly, something like an attack by China or Russia might be the best situation for most people in the country because potentially it depends on how bad it gets and if we retaliate and stuff. But I mean, I think what would be worse is something where like we do dissolve into a civil war because it's it's not going to be as geographically confined this time as it was last time so those communities that you're a part of are going to be tearing each other apart and i think that's what what is true so they, they say we are um nine meals away from anarchy right yeah. so <clears throat> that's three days without food and you start looking at your neighbor like okay if i gotta kill him how much food does he have and that's no joke as a husband as a father you know your role is to feed your family. You could survive on whatever scraps you got in the house, but after day three, if you don't see hope, I mean, it's different if you say, okay, guys, in four more days, you guys are going to have food coming in. You just got to stick it out. But if there's no hope, like whatever situation comes up, if there's really no hope. You're, you're going to kill your neighbor to feed your family. I mean, if it comes to it, right? It's You think we're all civilized and this and that, but I mean, you watch your kids starve. I guess... I don't know if, if like you or I would. As right, but that's what I'm talking about the you general have to, You have to be population. prepared for your neighbor to kill you. Yeah. You know, you have to have that mentality to where you, you are ready to protect your family against against someone you might know and love. You know, you yeah. don't know what what it would take for them to turn. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that we are on such a shaky place right now. Uh, hope your neighbors are watching. Well, they don't know where I hide the three months worth of food. So, <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, none of them, none of them know I do this. Hopefully, but um, you you, you think about like what <laughs> what scenarios could come up and where you go from there. And I mean, we all have my family has a um, we all have a plan where if communications go down. We all know where to meet. So, like, if there's ever some kind of devastating thing that happens, we have a plan of where we have, a, you know, a family home somewhere, and it's out of the state. And it's like, if there's really no communication and things are really bad on the island, if we can all escape, we all meet in this place. I also have those little um, CB radios. That yeah, CB radios, uh, ham radios, just in case. Ham radios. Yeah, ham I mean, radios, you, just you in case. To, I mean, granted, if it's an EMP, those are gone too. But yeah. Um, but in the event of, of something else, you know, say it's civil war or our government turning on us, whatever, obviously cell phone communications are out, satellite communications are out. So it's going to be, you know, shortwave radios, like ham radios and stuff. It's pretty wild that we're even entertaining this conversation. Like well, I mean, if you, I, what was the statistics? If, if you look at the, you know, the, the history of the U S the number of generations that have lived since the founding of the country, it's even like before some of the more crazy recent stuff happening, the the percentage chance that you live through a civil war is like 30%. Yeah. 
just from the number of years you live compared to how you know many years so that, they, they call that like the fourth turning so it's like every 80 years <clears throat> another war breaks out so it's like you start at the american revolution then you go to the civil war then you go to um world war one then you go to world war two then you go to, i mean it's, it's like major major events happen like we're due for one right now right oh, yeah. so <laughs> uh um so we're due for something but it's not just that. i think and i think over the past um two three years we've realized how fragile the american experiment is uh i'm training pigeons in order to send message traditional catholic zombie apocalypse you know they're just gonna get eaten right up to me with the message and i'm hungry i'm eating it oh yeah <laughs> it's food <laughs> we're all starving but um i think in the past two years we've all realized how fragile this experiment really is it's like uh it's it's I don't, I don't ever, I never thought like that we'd actually be facing a situation where I was worried about America not existing. And the reason I wanted to talk about the 4th of July thing is just because I think it's just emblematic of everything falling apart right now. You might get a rap first be a pigeon. <laughs> if, if it's a good one, I won't eat it. Okay. How about that? Um, so. <laughs> throw me off. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not it's not just america though i mean it's it's the it's whole the, yeah. western world and look west, what's happening in the netherlands right now the west is that is crazy what's going on there so but you have to realize it's happening there first because it's an experiment and they're yeah. a small country and they're saying okay so when we do this in bigger countries what's it going to look like so it was just like canada with the trucker thing when they cut off the bank accounts that was a small experiment it's like okay let's see what happens if we start playing this game and we take their bank accounts away, like that is the final effect of it, right? They might go to war with Jeremiah <laughs> Madison. What does he have? He has, I, I didn't he's got know paleocratic pigeons. I knew that. No idea. Um, yeah, so it's like we they're doing these little experiments in other places to see what, how it's going to look on a grand scale. So you saw it in you saw it in Australia. What they did with the internment camps, right? I mean, those were concentration camps, however you yep. want to put it. They were no due process, and they just would stick you in there. And if you left your house, they would throw you in there, and you had to stay there for two weeks, even though you're tested negative and everything's fine. I mean, these were experiments they were doing to see what it's going to look like on a grander scale because – I mean, you, I'm watching videos today of Nicole Kidman eating crickets, and then you see Jeremy Corbyn eating bugs, and they're really trying to push this stupid freaking eating the bugs thing. Like I thought, it, you say, like we all know it's coming, but then when you see it really getting like the when you see the propaganda coming, you're like, are they are they really gonna go with this? It's like, are they really gonna tell us we can't eat meat? In uh, in honor of my God given right to eat meat, uh, I don't, I'm sure you saw the huge steaks I cooked up this weekend. They look good. They were they were good. They look they good. Were, yeah, they were. My two steak pounds. right now is flank, flank steak. Hmm. I I love skirt steak, but skirt steak is so out of control expensive right now, and <clears throat> you get like double the flank steak for the you know it's like you get double the, but flank steak is basically skirt steak. It's just a little bit thicker, you know. Right. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Stay away from Donald Trump. He is going to lead well-meaning people to ruin the same way the Austrian painter led many crusaders. I don't. I am. I'm off the Trump train. I did vote for him in sixteen and twenty. Uh, I'm just off the Trump train because. Uh, wait. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> you missed the beginning of the show. Go back and watch the beginning. I explained the whole thing. So, um, uh, there's my boy. <laughs> there's my boy. <laughs> What's up, big? <laughs> He's a smiley one. Um, what was I just talking about? What was I just saying? You, you're killing me here. Off the Trump train. Um, because I think it gives them an excuse to push the divide that's already there even further. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't... He he accomplished a lot. I mean, I think we... Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> he, we, we just saw how much he accomplished, right? I mean, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, I mean, three of those justices were justices he put on the court. So... Mm-hmm. So it's hard to to argue with those results, but I mean, at the same time, he is who he is, and he's not. Listen, if he's the candidate, I'll vote for him. But I yeah. would rather DeSantis only because I think there's there's two different ways to look at this. I think I think DeSantis has he's smarter than Trump, right? Like Trump, Trump is such a narcissist that. He he will betray something he believes in if somebody likes him. We've seen it countless times oh, where he's yeah. in look, look at the terrible candidates. Wait, what did you he's say? Still, look at the vaccines. He's still pushing the, yeah. the what he did with the vaccines because he wants, he wants the credit like, for getting yeah. the vaccines out. He wanted to call it the Trump vaccine, right? Yep. So now he also endorsed Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Why? Because Dr. Oz was nice to him and doesn't talk bad about him. He's like, he's just such a narcissist. He doesn't. What the great thing he did was he opened people's minds up to America first. Like you can never take that away from the guy. The guy got the whole conservative movement to say, okay, wait a minute. Enough of the neocons. We need America first. We got to stop worrying about policing the world. Like, it used to be the left that was anti-war. Now all of us are just like, stop with these wars. Like, I don't care what's going on on the other side of the world. I want to make sure we're okay here, and then we can help other people. But we're falling apart at the seams right now. There's no way we can go and help somebody in Europe, Eastern Europe especially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is possible, too. So what you're going to start seeing is if DeSantis actually gets the nomination, you'll start seeing articles coming out of DeSantis is Trump on steroids. DeSantis is worse than Trump. You're going to just start seeing stuff like that. But I still think he will be more measured in his responses. And he will be, I think he'll get more done, man. Like, you see the bill he just passed? He just passed that bill where no hospital can deny patients access to their family. So now, if you know, if you think about what happened during COVID, my wife's grandfather passed during COVID, not from COVID, from something totally separate. They they made us see this man through a window. Like, we had to stand outside. He was on the first floor of the hospital. We were outside. We had to stay 15 feet away from the window. And the poor guy was just like this in the window. It was the saddest thing I had ever seen in my life. This poor guy died without his family around him. He was so broken at that point. He lost all will to live. It was really one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Yeah. And DeSantis just put a bill in place and signed it. You cannot ever deny access. And not only can you not deny access to the hospital, you can't prevent them from hugging their loved one. Um, 
Neocons or 50 Cent. Yeah, all right. I mean, listen, what, what, what is your option in White Wolf? Who do you think we should go with? <laughs> what do you want to go with? Those are our two options. I don't see any other option on the table. I mean, that's that's short term, though, right? I mean, that's yeah. it's 2024. That's the next election. I, I just don't know if there's much much hope for this political system. No, we can postpone it. That's goes. all you can do. You, you can delay the inevitable. But within the next 10 to 15 years, you're going to see America is not going to be the same country it is now no. in, in five to 10 years. Like, it's just not. You can't have an actual culture with a nation this divided. And it is. It, we, we, up to this point, the only culture we've had as a nation was basically the secular religion of Americanism. Right. Yeah. I mean, so even then, what we had wasn't patriotism objectively good it was yeah. just no but you had a nothing. you had and a now, general you had a general christian like uh, all right so it wasn't catholic but it, it no listen it's definitely freemasonic and stuff but the average person still had the same moral values at, at 50, even 20 years ago rob it, like it, okay. it was very naturally virtuous it had a lot of natural virtue I w- i'm willing to say that i, don't I know would say I would, be- I would say before the rainbow movement came in that, I, the rainbow movement is what crumbled the edifice of a Christian nation, right? So it's like th- they found a way to make it so that Christianity is evil. Like this is all this the all, like if everybody's like wondering what's with all this like rainbow stuff. Like what the actual reason for it is it has nothing to do with marginalized people. It has nothing to do with uh, you know uh, it, diversity and all that crap. None of that. It has to do with. It's the only way to destroy Christendom for good. Like, it's already done, Christendom, but they want to put the final nail in the coffin. And the way they do that is they find a way to call good evil. And now they can make you the person who gets excommunicated and thrown out. Yeah. Right? I, I think I think it all really started in World War One or after World War One, But it, you're right. It was the 60s, right? And, and, that, and that sexual revolution that destroyed the the facade that was left but the foundations really crumbled back after world war one in the 1920s in what uh, aspect i'm like i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that to challenge no, you i'm right. saying that because i don't know uh, <laughs> well for instance, the world war one um there if you compare world war one to world war two and like the experiences of uh, american soldiers overseas there's stories of, of World War One where the the French prostitutes, hookers, for you know, lack of a better term, um, they didn't get much business. You know, the the soldiers that were going over were were virtuous. They were you know fighting for their country. They had family back home, and for the most part, that's what they were there to do. But if then if you compare that to World War Two and the 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 experiences that the soldiers had during that war, you can see how much society had changed in just a generation. Yeah, it was it was the Roaring Twenties, right? The Roaring Twenties when you had prohibition going on, you had all the speakeasies. There was really a cult. So everybody points, yeah, you you point to the sexual revolution of the sixties, but you're right. In the twenties, you had this this like uh, it was it was it was an all consuming feel. Like this is when communism's coming about, and you're having revolutions happening in all these different countries, and you get the invention of the teenager. So this is something I actually got from Tim Flanders. Like before that, you went from boyhood to manhood. Yep. During the twenties is when you start getting this concept of a teenager, where it's like this grace period for young boys to go be idiots. 
and get in trouble, and then. But it really it's does exactly set up their. What it is. It sets up their adult life. To, so you would have, you know, as a young boy, as soon as you hit puberty, you would have a rite of passage. And you, you know, your father would take you to go do something. So, that, okay, now you're a man. For a Jew, it was a bar mitzvah. For, um, the, in Australia, you got to go for a walkabout. And, you know, you know, for yep. the indigenous, they would go on a walkabout. But there was always these different, uh, you know, coming of age things that we would do to transition a boy into becoming a man. And that disappeared. And then you gave prolonged adolescence. So, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where teenage years go till 30. Because yeah. I mean, you have men living with their parents at thirty years old still, and they're I mean, not. You get married at thirty now, and there's still people out there that will say that that's young. It's like, oh my god, you're getting married you? before thirty? Are you crazy? Are you this or that? It's like now, I. It's like everywhere in society, they're getting that advice, though, right? So, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen um, uh, Kay uh, on Twitter. Kay, people give her crap because she's married at 21 or 22 and she's got has you know two, two or three has two kids already so it's like no that's like that's normal like what you people are thinking is normal is not normal have uh, so uh, have you seen this video from Rip yes Peter? yes i have it's actually amazing but yeah so even what uh now is wait is that the one where he's talking about um the eight, he's not talking about the ages of the church. He's talking about six generational spirits where they actually start the, from like World War One. Yeah, the the silent generation knew how to suffer, could suffer well, but they didn't know how to communicate. So their children, the the greatest generation of World War Two, they knew how to suffer because they suffered during. The but they Depression. wanted to spare their children. Well, except they didn't. They knew how to do it. They didn't know how. To, you know, they didn't. How to teach recognize it. its merits because mm -hmm. their parents who couldn't communicate well didn't teach them that. So then they wanted to spare their children. So then the boomers never knew how to suffer. And then I forget. I forget yeah, so it's basically the boomers went and they wanted to do the total opposite of the, the greatest generation. No, the greatest generation was World War II. They went through such horror and suffering that they wanted to spare their children from that. So they protected them and they shielded them from it which gave them nothing to actually learn how to suffer. And then they became these spoiled brats who gave us the sexual revolution. And then Gen X and millennials are worse and worse as we're getting on. But it's getting to the point where it's, it takes three generations to erase something from the culture. Right. So if yeah. it's like, it, once, once your grant, once, once your, your grandparents are gone, more or less that, heart is is gone it's gone there's no memory of it because we're not like so if you read in the in the new testament even when you open matthew or you open luke you're getting these um you're getting the the genealogies you're getting these genealogies because this a genealogy and knowing your roots and where you came from was such an important thing now as americans i don't know anybody past my great-grandfather I couldn't yeah. tell you who his parents were, where my family really comes from, other than I know my last name is a body and I know we're from somewhere in Italy, but I don't know anything about my family history beyond that. And we, I mean, we, we need to be honest about our history and recognize that that was done purposefully, right? I mean, that was done by, by, by America specifically to disconnect the immigrants from their, their cultures, from their religions. Yeah, you so wanted them to integrate. Could integrate into this um the secular Americanism basically. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like that was the, so. Yeah, it's like integrate into our culture and throw everything. So, but there, there was always a, a it like when you would keep all right. So that was the whole point of breaking up the ghettos. So you had like Italian yeah. ghettos and Italian neighborhoods in yeah. in the Bronx, and then so my family is from Ozone Park. There was these big Italian communities there. The invention of the suburb was to break those communities up. And now you get an automobile thrown in there. And now you have no connection to your aunts and uncles anymore. Everybody used to live in a three family home and and your cousin was next door and it was, and you had a big family unit that stayed connected. So when you hear the term like the nuclear family, the nuclear family is a a stupid term. Well, it's a modern invention. Yeah. There should not be a nuclear family. It should be a family unit where it's, Parents, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles. We all live in the community. We all got somebody loses their job. Don't worry about it. We're all we all got you back. Instead, now I gotta drive 25 minutes to take my kids to my grandparents to their grandparents' house. It's like so there's not a real connection there. Now, like my uncle, for instance, all three of his kids moved to go take jobs in other states. So he's in Long Island, he's got three kids, one's in Miami, one's in Barcelona, one's at you know, so at that point, the, this nuclear family doesn't even exist anymore because Every technology brings an opportunity to break the family apart even more, right? It's yeah. like it's a miracle we survived past the automobile, believe it or not. The automobile should have broken this country apart. I mean, and it largely did. Yeah, it should take a very long time to finally crumble, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the automobile is a, a, a completely earth-shattering technology, right? It's... It, 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 it's time travel essentially because what would have taken how long was the Oregon trail? I mean, how long did it took these people six months to hike across the country Four, five months to hike across the country? You could go and do that once the automobiles invented and the airplanes invented in, in a, in a couple of days and you get that done. It's time travel. Now what that also did is it got those ghettos to break up and now they're going and living in the suburbs and now you're not, not connected to your family anymore. And it's basically every family unit for itself. And then now we're at the point where children are disowning their parents because they don't agree with their political views. And we had how many how many of the kids routed their parents out for the Trump rallies and their parents went to jail or or for for not agreeing with you know trans ideology or for being opposed to COVID. I mean, the, any number of issues. The trans People thing. Are, the trans thing is the ultimate. <sighs> It's like the the ultimate way that they can. It's well, it's a denial of reality. Yeah, it's a denial of reality, and if you tell that lie enough, like even uh, you saw, I mean, you saw Matt Walsh's documentary, right? Yep. I mean, they're afraid. The reason they won't define, they all know what a woman is. They know it's an adult human female. They're terrified of their own group. Well, I I think in some cases that's true, but at the same time, I think in other cases, you think they're true I, believers. I, I, well, you can't believe in the negative, right? I mean, they believe you think believe it. you think how big how many people honestly believe trans women are women? What percent of the population actually believe that? Not just say it because they don't want to have a problem, but actually believe it. I don't I think it's a point zero 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 one percent. Well, I, amongst so, them. Amongst them, so what percentage of, of those who do say it actually believe it? Ten to twenty, I would say. Not so much. 
at the same time, as Catholics, we believe that everyone has the natural law written in their hearts, right? So can you ever really believe something that is inherently against natural law? No, but I think 10 to 20% have convinced themselves or yeah. are so truly mentally ill that that in their mind they believe it, yeah. You know what it is? We I don't want to strawman them either. So like both sides right now are making caricatures of the other. Okay, so when you see, wait, what, what am I missing? <laughs> oh, there goes the channel, everyone. It was showing you. You think so? <laughs> so yeah, you know what? <laughs> so be it. But if you, but, all right, so now that's that's kind of what Jordan Peterson was talking about in his video. He said. Like, <clears throat> how do you reference the person before the change? Like, what he wrote there is actually true, right? It's like, they, she, she hadn't transitioned true. yet. Right. Um, all right, so Joe, Joe thinks the majority believe it. Now, I don't. Okay, so I think that, okay, so you saw it with Bette Midler, and you saw it with Macy Gray. They both came out, and they said something about, um, you know, it had to do with Roe, and it was like, um, I forgot exactly what they said, but it was like, uh, you know, they're even trying to erase women from our vocabulary now, and they're calling us birthing people, and the trans community lost it on them. And right away, you see the backpedaling. I'm the biggest supporter of the... But th these people do not believe in their convictions that they're saying they believe in. They're trying to get clout amongst their own side, amongst their own tribe. And the second they sense they said something wrong, they back off. They don't actually believe it. I'm telling you, they're, they're, they say things to prevent the mob from coming after them. Well, yeah, but I don't know if I really see them as truly part of the movement anymore. I mean, they're the has-beens. You know, they're like the, they're like the Mensheviks during the, the Russian Revolution or Trotsky compared to Stalin. They're they're the has-beens. They they will be eaten by, by those that are truly in control, or those you know by the the shock troops of the left. Um, so I think if you look at the millennials and the the Gen Z that are members of Antifa and stuff like that, I really do think they are the true believers. Yeah, I mean, they're the true believers. But how, how, many, how many people are really Antifa members? Dude? There's not that many. Like you see it in Portland. Right, and you'll see it in New York during some crazy event. But a lot of those people are coming from Portland to New York to go and protest. It's really a very minuscule amount of but, people that are actually. Those are the ones that matter. I mean, if you look at, if you look at like the American Revolution, only three percent of Americans fought in the revolution. You know, in in these sort of movements, it's the that small number that do the fighting that that really take part. That's that's what you have to be worried about. It doesn't matter if the other, you know, ninety-seven percent of that side. It doesn't matter what they think or what they believe. They're they'll go along with it. There's actually a great quote in "For Greater Glory," where the Mexican president is talking. Uh, Kayez is talking to um, the American diplomat that goes there. The American diplomat is like, you know, you're worried about this small group of people, and you. You know they're you know they're this and they're that and, and the Mexican president says in my in my um, experience a small group of organized men can overthrow a government like you're you're right about that you know so they are the ones that will matter but all I'm saying is when you see the Democratic Party embrace some of these insane ideas and you're talking from 
Kamala Harris to jump. I mean, you're talking about the top of the party embracing some of these insane ideas. I think that's because they are afraid of the mob. They don't have control over the mob. This mob is like a hornet's nest, or a, 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 they're like locusts. They just, wherever it goes, it goes. And I don't care what kind of clout you think you have with that movement, they will devour you if you make one misstep. Yeah. So the only choice they have is to actually like go along with whatever they're saying. You saw it happen with, even with Russia, right? Russia and Ukraine. You saw every one of the, the, the swarm comes in, the, you know, the, the mob comes in, starts getting on all these corporations that are still doing business in Russia. So you start seeing MasterCard and Visa and McDonald's and everybody just starts saying, we're not doing business in Russia anymore. We're not doing business in Russia anymore. And it, it, it happened to a country. Like this swarm, this leftist swarm, they did it to an entire nation. Now, what happened was the the like the 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 left sit they kind of sit that mob on Russia, and it wound up backfiring because what it proved is Russia didn't need the West to survive on its own. That's all it really proved. Um, White Wolf's always got an opinion, man. So most <laughs> most of my friends who moved to Mexico in 2010 are very glad they did right now. I mean, I don't I don't know. I never lived in Mexico, but I would imagine the cartels are a problem down there. But um yeah, I don't I, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say our government's just one big cartel, so what does it really matter? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I mean, but the, the the mob that comes for you, right? So even even I don't think anybody has control over the mob, is my point. So we see like we kind of tend to blame CNN and we're like, oh, the CNN does this and MSNBC does this. They're parroting what they see on Twitter. They're not creating. No, the, the, they're not coming up with the narrative anymore. I think at one time they did. I think the narrative was fed to them from whatever intelligence agencies wanted us to believe. But I don't think that they even have control over it anymore at this point. I think this thing, this beast is let loose and they're just kind of. Like the news is Twitter is not being controlled by the news. The news is being controlled by Twitter, basically. I mean, if you I guess I would say if you really want to see what what those in charge of the left really believe or what they want, what they're trying to do, you have to look at the most the most radical crazies that are in like Antifa, because those are the the ones that. I don't know, I guess that's the true ideology there, right? I mean. You're right. Everyone else on their on that side is scared of them, and will will fall in line and probably don't really believe it. But if you want to see what they really very, believe and what they really Islam, right? nobody criticizes Islam. Nobody criticizes Islam because we're all afraid we're going to have a problem. It's like we're we're the ones that are civilized and we don't retaliate with violence, and that's why we're going to lose this fight. And we have to. Like, there's no other. You have to love your enemies, and you have to not like. We can't resort to what they're doing because it defeats the whole purpose of what we want. This is a time for just war, but not the yeah. tactics that we can't use the tactics they use. No, of course not. And in what it really comes down to, and I know you've read at least part of it, if not all of um, city of God versus city of man. Yeah. But it really comes down to, you know, the voluntarism of the left. It doesn't so matter. Doesn't so matter what they believe as in their belief that it's their will and their ability to enforce their will that matters, you know, whether they believe in communism or, or capitalism or, or whatever that is, it, it doesn't so much matter as that 
they're going to force their will upon us with power. Whereas, you know, Catholics, um, what, or what we should believe in at least is, is the natural order, right? Is divine law, natural law, um, the logos, right? That's yeah. what it comes down to for us logos. Um, and that's, that's really the struggle. Like Tim Flanders says, it's logos versus voluntarism. Yeah. Which is basically Christ versus antichrist. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> it's essentially what it is. So, well, I don't know where we go from here, but <laughs> we listed a whole bunch of problems. We give you zero <laughs> solutions. <laughs> Me and Rob are not going to survive the apocalypse. <laughs> Three months to live, and then after my food runs out, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I hope don't you know about you, man. I got a dozen deer that walk by my front porch every night. Yeah, but every one of your neighbors are going to want to hit at those, too. So just keep that in mind. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Like, there's a lot of deer on Long Island. But once you have all of Long Island looking for deer, you think they devoured the buffalo fast? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's like I don't. I don't know what the end game. I think all of this that you're seeing is they're trying to sow instability in America because they want America to fall. Because America is the world police, whether you like it or not. They need America out of the picture in order to put forward the actual plan they want to put. Right. So they're letting open the borders, let immigrate immigrants come in. Let do all these crazy policies that are going to make every bit of cohesion we had. Culture is basically what causes a, a, a society to stay together. You know, you can't have a culture and share values with people who believe it's okay to chemically castrate children who not only believe it's okay, think that's the good thing to do where you have drag queen, queen story hour. There's never Another time where we're going to meet face to face and see these people in fraternity, no, in human there, fraternity. There's, like there's oh, no, Francis, this is actually absurd. Yeah, there's no unity with that. No, nothing. I mean, like, there's it, nothing it, to build on. Jesus Christ would be the first one to to say that. Yeah, you can't have unity with that. Now, I'm not saying you, you know, we have to preemptively wipe them all out or anything like and that. I'm talking not. about I'm talking about after the after this crumbles, what like wh where do we go? Because th there's there's no way we survive as a nation with the division no. that's going on now. There's no way. And I I kind of disagree with you when you say that they want to sow instability or they want America to break apart because I think at this point since they are in power and i would say the narrative is moving in their direction even though we've had some some recent victories or, or seemingly anyways i think they they want to keep it together at all costs to use the american power to enforce their will i on see it's totally different you dude i'm telling you they want to listen what's the idea behind opening the borders you're allowing a totally different culture to come in. now i'll tell you right now i am not worried about Mexican Catholic immigrants coming into our country. That I have no problem with that whatsoever. What I worry about is, is the Chinese coming through, the Muslims coming through. I worry, I worry about the people that do not have the same faith as us, not because they look different, but because they have totally different cultural values than we do, right? So, well, uh, except, well, but I, I think their culture is better in, in a lot of senses. Well, it's more traditional. I, right. I think they're sense. doing it not so much because they want to dilute our culture or water it down. I think they're, they're doing it to create the divide because they know how Why the Republican party divide and conquer. Listen, right? they, the they know it's going to be a, a, an issue that splits us. They don't, I think it could actually 
hurt them in the end because I think our natural allies, honestly, are many of those you know Catholic Hispanics coming across the board. Well, that's it's backfiring on them. Don't get me wrong; the plan stinks because they're not using their brains. Because the majority, of, especially Mexican Catholics, coming in, like I, 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 I'll tell you, I go to mass on Sunday. My parish has a very significant. Mexican Catholic population at my at my Latin Mass, dude. It's the most diverse. They for all the diversity and stuff they want to talk about in the Novus Ordo. You want to see diversity? Go to any one of the traditional Latin Mass parishes I go to, yeah. and yeah, they are diverse. It's funny you go to you know you go to any talk by those Catholics that promote diversity, like uh, Jimmy Martin, Jim and Martin. Austin Ivory, and it's old, old white. Women, it's and, all old white, yeah, old white, so old white women who just don't want to let the revolution of the sixties die, man. It's like Ugh. it's, but I, I, I only think that they're trying to divide us and destroy the country because when I see them financing things like Antifa, when they're financing things in our school systems to actually disintegrate whatever remnants exist of culture. Like, Rob, they're disintegrating I mean, I, I anything agree. that could cause unity. They're trying to get rid of because they want right. us to have nothing to unite around. Right. They, they, they want to destroy our culture. They want to destroy our way of life. You're absolutely right. But just like the Bolsheviks did in Russia, they're doing that not so they can literally split apart the nation they're doing that to so take that power they can, they, right to take power and rebuild the entire nation yes in their country. image all so right i think it's a i think we need to get away from at least in my opinion get away from the idea that we need to hold together the country personally i don't want desantis to run for president i want him to, to stay, in, stay florida in florida and potentially so we have somewhere have to go florida if we needed to have florida leave the I I know. I, well, who, who is it? Rick Barrett or is it Enoch saying King King DeSantis? Uh, <laughs> like, I so. <laughs> like King DeSantis. Let's crowd him now. Uh, I think it was Rick. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what this episode was really about. Other than me and Rob just wanted to have a conversation, and talk yeah, about we things. Don't get that, it, we don't get to do that often anymore. Well, we get to do it just the two of us, right? Like we yeah. always have guests. We always always have guests. So we, I I actually texted you last week. I was like, Dude, let's just do one just the two of us, man. Yep. So I don't think we accomplished anything, but I hope that uh, people enjoyed it. Uh, Don, being the Jesuits. Uh, let's see. Uh, all right. So wait. Uh, Joe Bocher says, I'm with Tim and Steve on this. We need to balkanize, move close to other cats. All right. So that's a good way to end this. I think eventually, I think it's going to get to a point where we all have to go rural and congregate around these traditional parishes in the rural parts of the country. The problem is there aren't many traditional parishes in rural parts of the country. I can attest to that. Yeah, there just aren't, right? So there are some, but they're very far and few between. But that's that might be a good thing because the, the few of us that actually exist who actually believe the traditional faith are going to have to flock to these places Yeah, if things get that bad. I think we're seeing good signs. Um, even if, you know, the Roe v. Wade overturning doesn't really change much or or things like that i think we're seeing and i think the country as a whole is seeing that in whatever is about to happen whatever happens when that comes catholics really are providing leadership for for the the right side you know for yeah for those who actually believe right i mean and you're seeing the, the country's recognizing that because you're seeing all the violence against the catholics 
Yeah. So I think it's always going to be the Catholic Church is the actual enemy. It's never going to be Protestantism. There's no unity there for them to strike. So what are you going to do? Go strike the Baptist Church? No. It's always going to be. Listen, there's actually a show on another show on CBS that me and my wife saw the preview for the other day. It's a show about like some evil spirit or something. And then who's the, who's the main character as a Catholic priest. Like they understand when you're dealing with exorcism, like Hollywood gets it right in that aspect. You don't go and get a Protestant minister for exorcisms. You go and get a Catholic priest. Like, that's just what you do. You do not like, you don't play games with the, you know, with the, whatever minister you got down the road, than the non-denominational minister. He has no authority to exorcise demons. He may, Inadvertently, be cursing his pa- his his congregation. Well, like, I mean, Father Ripperger talks about how he's been called in by, um, you know, Pentecostal charismatic groups multiple times to the to movie, clean up the messes they the movie The Exorcist is about a young Lutheran girl, and the Lutheran pastor tries to exorcise her and says, "Go get a Catholic priest. This is way above my pay grade," because they have no authority whatsoever to do it. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, Pastor Bob. So, um, yeah, I, th- I, I mean, listen, I th- part of the reason you and I wanted to do this channel is because we want to form some kind of a community that we can all like look out for each other. If something hits in one part of the country and we know people from the other part, like if you guys had something happen in Minnesota, your my doors are open for you guys to come here and you have a safe spot. I would assume the same offer would go to me, right? I mean, it's, you, you and everyone watching, yeah. Yeah, I mean, any way we can help each other, especially this tight-knit community that we're building here. So um, we kept that one in an hour, Rob. Oh, no, yeah, an hour and ten. <laughs> we usually do two hours like it's nothing, but Go I think it's a, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a fun show, just the two of us, man. So we are doing trivia tomorrow night. Guys, I, uh, I would like to see some likes and subscribes, especially uh, if you haven't done that yet. Uh, let's see. We got Oh, and I still Matt Frat still doesn't follow me back, so I can't send him a DM until he follows me back. Uh, comment on that uh, on that post. Let him know. <laughs> I did already, but uh, Haley said to call her, and, I, and she is a moderator on his chat channel. So oh, that's right. when I cut this clip up, I think uh, Haley will be able to get it to Matt, and Matt will be able to actually see um, the clip. Hopefully. I don't know if Haley's still on, but I, I DM'd her. A link to the green room after the show. So Haley, if you're still on, and have a few minutes afterwards, uh, feel free to I guess come to the show. And just- yeah, if you just click that link, Rob and I are going to sign off in a second, and we'll be in there. If not, I will DM you and send you the two minute clip that I'm going to cut up later of me praising Matt for all his kingly attitude and his inspiration he's been for Rob and I, and uh, maybe we'll get a plug on his channel. <laughs> the ideal, <laughs> listen, listen, the ideal is. You and I both get a fully paid flight on him, flight in a room, and we're both on Pints with Aquinas. That is the ideal. I'd be okay with doing it remotely, but yeah, that would be ideal. You're right. I want to be in studio, dude. And I want to I want him to pay for it. He could do that. You don't think let's, he flies his guests out? Let's be honest, you would pay for it too if he asked you to. Oh, 100 percent Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take a loan out if I needed to. <laughs> You'd probably offer you like, man, yeah. <laughs> Matt, not only not only do you not have to pay for me, I'll pay for you to go on vacation wherever you want if you just bring us on for a half an hour. Uh you really you can't put a price on that kind of exposure. The guy, listen, I've been telling you guys from day one. The guy's the king <laughs> of Catholic media. Everybody likes him. He's got no enemies. 
Like, I mean, he's just a genuine guy. He's not, you know, he's not the radical Taylor Marshall or anybody like that. Like, he's just a nice guy, man. Yeah. So, um, we don't want to forget to uh, talk about uh, the other couple channels that we work with. So, <clears throat> so uh, for anyone that doesn't already subscribe or follow uh, the Tradman podcast, um, integrated with Angela Erickson and uh, are things official with, with Connor yet? I don't know. Uh, he definitely wants to join us. And no matter what, I want to promote Connor's stuff because yeah, he's, so he's he'll be on trivia with us tomorrow night. And I haven't had a chance to really talk to him because things have been a little crazy, but uh, we love so, Connor. So plot lines with Connor, uh, Connor McHugh, right? Yeah. That's his last name. So yep. make sure you follow all those uh, YouTube channels, podcasts. I think, I think all three of them are on like Apple podcasts and stuff like that too. So, Make sure you follow them. Get that website going. Yeah, we do. We want to be able to just do a website where everybody can just go and find everything. But unfortunately, I'm not the tech guy because I don't know anything about tech. But I've never (laughs) built a website, but it can't be. I know. If Jason (laughs) actually does, we can we can figure that out. But one of them can help us. We'll figure that out. Yeah. But uh, in the meantime, everybody, thank you so much for checking us out. I still don't know why anybody watches us, but (laughs) hopefully once. Once we're on Matt Frad's pints with Aquinas, we're going to blow up. And we're going to remember all of the uh, – uh, I would definitely do that. E. Michael Jones? On the ga- <laughs> yeah, we, Not yeah. on the game show. No, I'll interview him. Yeah, well, even on the game show, either way, we'd never be able to air it on anything. We'd have to do well, it he, he's, he's able to be guests on other people. But, like, Tim Flanders had him on, and the whole stream got wiped. Right, that's why Tim does it on Unlisted. And he still got wiped, even Unlisted. Well, really? Yeah, an unlisted video that only patrons could see. They deleted off because they said the J word too many times. So we will have to do it on Steve Cunningham's new Census Fidelium TV. Oh, that's right. That's okay. So Census Fidelium TV is uh, out now. Uh, Have you spoken to anybody over there? Do you know how to like upload our stuff? And no, no one's reached out to me yet. I haven't reached out to anyone. All right, I will, I will, I will put you in touch with the guy over there who does all the approvals because he reached out to me, and I, I just only because I sent him the email. So okay. I will, you know, like Steve sent me a link to send him an email. I sent him the email, so that's why he reached out to me. Um, uh, White Wolf, you are desired taste. Uh, uh, what do they call that? A eh? is it a desired taste? No, uh, acquired taste. Acquired you're, an acquired, taste. <laughs> you're an acquired taste, White Wolf. <laughs> you have you have definitely grown on me. I am I am a fan of yours. So don't worry about it's what like, other people like think. drinking apple cider vinegar. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks at first, but you get used it's, to it. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, man. Thank you so okay. much, uh, Robert. I'm gonna go hang in the green room for a minute. We will see you guys tomorrow night for trivia. Uh, 7.50 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Right? And that's See it. All right, guys. Right, okay. Give us a close, Rob. <laughs>